This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. The Penang South Islands Project, or PSI, is a massive reclamation project to create three islands off the southern coast of Penang Island. So the 10 billion ringgit reclamation project is a state government initiative to finance the 46 billion ringgit Penang Transport Master Plan through the reclamation of the three islands covering 1,620 hectares of the Permatang Damar Laut. But the project has faced fierce and vociferous opposition from many, including environmentalists and local fishermen. So today on the show, I'm catching up with Munakshi Raman. She's the president of Sahabat Alam Malaysia. We're going to discuss the negative social and environmental impacts that this project is expected to cause and why concerned groups are still calling for the project to be scrapped, despite it now being scaled down by 49% to one island. We're going to find out more about that as well. Welcome, Mina. How are you today? Fine, Juliet, under the circumstances. I know. It's, we were just saying uh, off air, you know, one fight after the other, isn't it? It just doesn't end. But um, here we are again. Uh, we did yeah. speak about the uh, Penang South Reclamation Project, as it was known before, uh, a few years ago. Um, and, you know, at that time already, you sort of laid out all the different reasons. But I thought it'd be good to revisit that. So we do know it's a mega project. It's been rebranded, the Penang South Islands. Uh, from And now, of course, you know, the most recent news, it's, it's gone from three islands to one island. Mina, can you just give us a brief background about this project uh, and why the Penang government are uh, saying that it's so necessary for the growth of the state. Ah, yes, long fight um, many years ago, but maybe the most, I will start with the most recent and then go backwards. Um, okay. Of course, the Penang government just announced last week that this is a scale down of the original three island project. Um, and uh, from, as you said, 49% from 4,500 acres to now 2,300 acres, only one island that they are going to continue. But what is significant is still the largest island. 2,300 acres is by no means um, small. So this came about because of the, um, you know, the visit of the Prime Minister, Dr. Sri Anwar Ibrahim, who came to Penang. I think uh, this is becoming a, uh, it is not just becoming, but it is a political hot potato because the elections, state elections are coming up. And so I think there was a need to respond to the huge outcry for for months and years that the fight has been going on. As you recall, um, the first EIA for the project was submitted in 2017. Actually, the project was conceived in 2015. Mm. And from what I gather, the real proponents of this was actually the big corporations. Um, I mean, Gamuda was one of the big companies that was leading that um, in terms of the reclamation. I think they were the ones mooting for, um, you know, the project. And I think the Penang government was attracted by the idea. So as early as 2015, that was being proposed. So they had the first environmental impact assessment in 2017. It was rejected by the Department of Environment then. And then there was a revision This was submitted in March 2019. This was approved by the Department of Environment. And if you recall, um, you know, we had helped the Sungai Batu, one of the fishing villages affected. The chairman is uh, uh, Tuan Haji Zakaria Ismail. He brought a, a legal challenge to the appeal board under the Environmental Quality Act, where you can actually challenge the decision of the Director General, and uh, we brought this action. He represented 185 fishermen then from his particular unit. 
and we succeeded um, in the legal challenge on a preliminary legal point because at the time that the EIA was approved by the Director General, the Penang, uh, the three islands were not part of the structure plan then. Okay. They were not part of the, the then uh, 2020 structure plan. So the approval preceded the, the um, later structure plan of 2030. So we succeeded legally. We said that it was too it's premature and, and we succeeded. So then they had to go back to the drawing board and they revised again the environmental impact assessment. They submitted this um, uh, sometime later in 2022. And then only in um, uh, April this year, there was uh, conditional approval, 71 conditions imposed. Um, and the EIA was approved, following which the chief minister made the announcement on the 26th of April, mm -hmm. informing all of us that uh, the EIA has been approved. And since then, there has been a huge protest and continued protest. And then after that, the visit of the uh, the prime minister himself, and then the scaling down announcement by the chief minister. So there we are. Okay, all right. So I think then this is something I asked you back then as well, uh, Mina, maybe, and maybe you can help repeat that. You know, so for folks who are unfamiliar with Penang, uh, are reclamation projects necessary? You know, uh, is a reclamation project like this necessary to improve the state's economy? You know, is there not enough land in Penang for a project such as this? See, this is really the the clash of views between those of us, the but particularly the environmental NGOs and generally, mm -hmm. and um, and also the fishermen themselves, and also, um, you know, any anybody, any a lot of academics also have, have looked at this. And the point is that Penang is, Penang is not Penang Island alone. Okay. So we constantly have to remind people that Penang is not Singapore. Uh, Singapore is an island, but not Penang. Penang has got Sabarang Prai. So there's all, there, there seems to be this very myopic vision that a lot of the focus of development has to be on Penang Island. Um, and the whole rationale which is being pushed also is that, you know, you have the Bayan Lepas free trade zone area, there's not enough uh, industrial land in Penang Island, you can't touch the hills. So therefore we need to go and reclaim the sea. And then they even talk about Sabarang Prai, you know, there's really not enough land. But actually for us, um, you know, there seems to be a, a disconnect because on the one hand, you have the chief minister who has declared before that Sabarang Prai needs to be also looked at and that it cannot be, uh, there has to be a vision for Sabarang Prai. Mm. And he even said that there is 12,000 hectares. 12,000 hectares is more than enough, you know, for if you look at 2,300 acres of reclaimed land, yeah. compare that with 12,000 hectares, there's enough land there. But yet, when you look at the latest environmental impact assessment that has been approved, um, you know, the consultants say that they have looked at the land in Sabarang Prai, you know, there is no such big pieces of land like they want in one particular area. So they, they build it, they build it as a, as a, you know, a big hype that, you know, once you have this reclaimed land, you know, you have 2,300 acres, and they even call it the green tech you know, smart city, green tech park, green tech park, and then, you know, um, heart of the island, and they call it a tourism uh, promotion, a new tourism product, and, um, and you know, a boost for the economy. So a lot of it, a lot of it is a lot of hype. 
And so, uh, of course, we will continue to criticize it. Mm -hmm. It's not that there is no land in Sabarang Prai. It's not that Penang doesn't have land. And so I think first we have to debunk the myth that Penang doesn't, doesn't have enough land because we have to look at it in the context of Sabarang Prai and the mainland. So sec the other thing is, of course, this whole notion of the Penang Transport Master Plan, right? Mm. They sold this whole reclamation as the justification for funding to fund the Penang Transport Master Plan. Yeah. Now, already the Penang Transport Master Plan, which has been very controversial, um, it is not just the, the, the LRT, the light rail transit that is being promoted. It's also three um, highways. It's called the the, the pan the two pan island link. They call it, um, you know, going through just like Bangkok, you know, or KL, where you have these big pylons, and then you have um, highways going through, running through Penang. So, and this was not the original Halcro uh, Penang Transport Master Plan. The Penang Transport Master Plan initially, the Halcro, uh, what the Halcro consultants did was actually a big push by civil society. So to say that civil society is anti-development and we don't want to, to address the traffic problems is really not true. It's really uh, painting us in the wrong light. And what actually, uh, you know, over the years, we were pushing for transport, uh, the transport woes to be solved. And um, there were many uh, proposals, and including the Helgro proposals, which actually was not what is now um, really a car-centric um, oh, approach. Apart okay. from the LRT, it's all about moving cars. It's not about moving people. So there have been alternative proposals coming from civil society, like you know the bus, rail transit, you know, or ART, which is the um, another kind of transport. And even the LRT was questioned in the current alignment because of whether we have enough catch, catch, uh, catchment. Because we're not Kuala Lumpur either. Mm. You know, we are Penang is much smaller in terms of population size and and so on. So all this was used as a justification to fund. But then the federal government is now funding and has come and said that we will, you know, the prime minister, thank God, has said that with this new government, they will fund the, uh, try to address the transport problems. And they also did talk about the LRT. Yeah. And the minister of transport himself, Anthony Lok, said that they will relook at the LRT. They will not be bound by what is in the existing plan, but they will relook. So this is this is these are good in the sense of the um, moving forward and revisiting and not just going in, just ac accepting everything lock, stock, and barrel. Especially when the Penang, uh, the transport is supposed to be funded by federal. So so there's no logic now. There's no need for the islands to fund. But then the chief minister says that, uh, and the state government is saying. They need 60 acres of land for the depot for the light rail transit. Uh -huh. And that depot for the light rail transit, uh, you can't have that in the main, uh, in, in, on the island. Nearby in the past, there's no land there. And so therefore, he's saying that we need to reclaim the island, an island A, which they call the Silicon Island now. And they say they're going to have 60 acres of the 2,300 acres for the depot. And for us, I mean, that needs to be re-looked at. 60 acres is a huge area. And do we really need that kind of a, you know, a monster, um, you know, mm. a depot? So all this needs to be re-looked at. And so for us, we are not convinced. Um, and on top of it, if you want to solve the transport problems now, it has to happen now. 
but the reclamation itself is going to take 10 to 15 years. And so you want to build a depot after that, which is probably going to take more years. And so the, the chief minister himself said that the entire island reclamation plus the all the top site development, as they call it, uh, up there, including the uh, uh, LRT, mm. that will take 20 years. We can't afford to be waiting for so long to solve the transport problem. So we need to find a quicker solution, which is really does, doesn't have to be so huge a price that we have to pay in terms of sacrificing the seas. And uh, and this is really, um, you know, financially, I think it's um, inflated and the economics of it needs to be looked at completely. So this is why we keep challenging, because we don't think there is a, enough justification. No matter what the state says, we just don't buy that. Okay. Mina, let's just go for a quick break. When we come back, you know, I want to talk about some of the other reasons why you, so many are against this project, um, both from an environmental uh, point of view, but also from a social impact point of view. I'm speaking today to Minakshi Raman. She's the president of Sahabat Ala Malaysia. We're discussing the Penang South Islands project, uh, whether a smaller Penang South Islands project is still as problematic. Uh, many, of, uh, including Mina and Sahabat Ala Malaysia and other CSOs, are calling for the project to be scrapped completely, not just scaled down. We'll continue our discussion after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger picture bfm 89.9 welcome back this is earth matters on the bigger picture i'm Juliet jacobs on the line with me today all the way from penang minakshi raman she's the president of sahabat ala malaysia we're discussing the penang south islands project which is a massive reclamation project uh, which was initially to create three islands off the southern coast of the penang island but now uh, that's been scaled down or is said to be scaled down to just one island but you know uh, groups like sahabat ala malaysia and others are calling for it to be uh, completely scrapped because you know there is just too many problems right mina there's just uh, there's no justification for it as far as you and the other CSOs and uh, other stakeholders are concerned. So can we talk a little bit about that, right? So it is um, many, many environmental, uh, negative environmental impacts from this project alone. Can you remind us about some of them? Yeah, actually to start with, um, the Department of Environment in 2019, when it approved the um, EIA, which was legally challenged, Mm. uh, because at that time we saw the letter of approval by the Director General. And the then Director General had actually himself admitted in the letter. It isn't us, it's the Director General himself. And in that letter, he did say that the project will cause irreversible damage and residual impact on the mud flat ecosystem, on the fishing ground, on the turtle landing, and part of the coral reefs at Pulau Rimau. And he says that this is an important ecosystem to the fishery resource. This irreversible damage will cause significant negative impacts to the fishery resources, to the fishers, and would threaten the country's food security. This is an admission Mm. by the former Director General of Environment. So strongly worded too. Exactly, it's very strongly worded. And then, um, you know, given these environmental impacts, and then if you look at the EIA, it's quite clear, they admit, it's not disputed that this is an environmentally sensitive area. Um, reason being of the mudflats, the fishery grounds, you know, spawning grounds for, you know, huge amounts of fish and marine resources. So all that is not disputed. But what they say is that we need to trade this off. Mm. We need to trade this off with the economic justification for the project. And so we don't call this trade off. We call it a write off. They are completely writing off um, these a very important environmental um, ecosystem. So you, 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 
you know, we in this day and age, when we talk about the need to balance environment and development, and by the way, this kind of development is not development, it's destruction. So let's 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 move away from the use of the terminology itself when they say development. But this is destruction of a ecosystem which is providing resources and food and livelihood and it's and and um, it's you know you have the turtles you have the coral reefs you have the mudflats and you know the way the EIA looks at this is in piecemeal okay the mudflats here the you know coral reefs there and you don't look at it as an integrated system there's no there's no other place in Penang where you have because this is actually in a bay area um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, the, the, it's not, it's unlike in Talok Bahang, where, which is the northern part, where it's open, and this is much more protected mm. in terms of the environment itself, and this is why it's very important as a fish ground, and many fishing villages are there, and so the way it is painted, as if first, you know, it's not a very important um, area because it only produces four percent of the fish resources. They say. For, for 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 I don't know um, Penang Island or, or the state or whatever, but that is not the point. The point is that the EIA admits itself that this is a very important fishing ground. The DOE admits it. The Department of Fisheries admitted. The Fisheries Research Institute also had looked at it, and in fact, they had said that you do need to have a shrimp migration study because it's not just about supporting the fish, the fish life, and the marine life in um, the South Island of where the villages are, where the, where the fishermen are located. There are a lot of fishers outside of the five kilometer radius, you know, yeah. where actually the EIA normally just looks at the five kilometer zone and they don't look beyond that. But if you look at the larger, wider um, implication, you have uh, fishermen from Kadar, you have fishermen from other parts of Penang, you have people, fishermen from Perak, and then there is this concern about the migra migratory patterns of these um, shrimps particularly, because the fishermen are catching a huge amounts of shrimp, and they're bringing in tons of tons of money. I mean, they, there's a huge dispute as to the numbers that are being reported in the environmental impact assessment. Um, and there's really an underestimation of the kind of income that the fishing community faces here. The EIA says that, you know, they are they don't earn that much money. They are below the 5,000 ringgit, um, you know, monthly income um, for fishermen. And they say even below B40. But if you talk to the fishermen, and if you look at the data and the units that we visited, it's much, much more. And they send us pictures of, uh, you know, catches, mm. abundant supply. Abundant, and even if you look at the price of prawns, what is what is in the EIA? At least in the last EIA that I saw, they they reported as the pricing is so underpriced, uh, something like uh, you know eighty cents per kilogram or something, if I'm not mistaken. Can I, can you go and buy prawns today one kilo for that price? No. Uh, you know, even if they said more than 80, 80 cents, I stand corrected. But it was never not like forty ringgit or sixty ringgit or eighty ringgit. Even you know such high in Ringgit. So there's a lot of undervaluation of the actual catches mm. and what the fishermen are making. And then there is another undervaluation as well. So the the chief minister, when he said that we are scaling down, um, you know, scaling down meaning we are scrapping 
um, two islands and we have one island. And then he said only 115 fishermen will be affect, directly affected as opposed to 486 fishermen. This is a very, very, very underestimation of the numbers. You know, you play with numbers. 115 fishermen may be directly impacted, but even that we dispute because it's much larger than that. Um, but as I said, there are the indirect fish. I mean, because this is a fish breeding ground, a marine breeding ground, larger numbers depend on it. Okay. So you can't just look at it in terms of minimizing the numbers. Another problem that we had, which we actually critiqued the EIA, which was approved, they did a survey the because they were supposed to do a social impact assessment. And in the course of that social impact assessment, the consultants looked at um, the, um, you know, they did a survey and they said we sampled um, some, we did a sampling size and we, according to those samples, 76% agreed. Now we disputed that. We said, look, see, this is what they normally do. See, th this is the problem, you know, you take a very technical uh, kind of approach and the consultants will justify it by sampling numbers and models and this, that and the other. And it's a lot of mumbo jumbo. But if you look at the um, what we pointed out, look, you have the Penang um, State Fishermen's Association representing 6,000 fishermen, whole of Penang. And from the Penang um, you know what they have the Persatuan Nelayan Kawasan Selatan okay. the Fishermen's Association of the South um, um, you know from that area they represent about 2,000 members all of all in the PSR area they are affected and they come under this Persatuan and all of them unequivocally have in their um, uh, annual general meetings said that we do not want the project and we do not accept it and yet, when we raised this during the objections to the Department of Environment, um, uh, you know, review for public comments, we are told that, uh, that though the sample is, we did the sample, and because that's what the sampling says, that's what the data says. You take a small percentage. We don't know who they interviewed, how many. We know how how many people they interviewed, but far too too little, and to ignore the loud call of the officially registered Fishermen's Association and say 76% agree. I mean, this is this is bunkum, mm -hmm. you know? So it's really distorting. It's distorting the real social impact. I mean, you talk about a social impact assessment, you need to take into account the voices of those who are opposed to this and who more than the fishing for fisher folk themselves. And this is an important point that they are raising. They're saying, look, this is our right to fish. And of course, the, the the when you say a right to fish, supposing you are a farmer on an island uh, on a land land, and you take away the the the, the you know the sawapadi yeah, the the sawa land, the, people see it and they say, oh yeah, why can you? How dare you take away the lands of the pasawa? Yeah. But here, when you take away the fishing grounds of the fishermen, you say it's it's okay. We can write them off. We can trade them off, and we can you know it's only small. It's insignificant. It's really robbing the lives of the people who depend on the sea. So, and then they say, oh, we are coming up with um, ecological offset program and social impact assessment, or, I mean, alternatives. You, The EIA talks about new beginnings. Who wants a new beginning? They're very happy with their old beginnings or their old uh, whatever. 
Yeah, they are not asking for new beginnings in the kind of these corporate hype. And we read yesterday, I don't know whether you saw this, um, in um, the Star, which was reported, there was a detail about the Penang eco the ecology offset programs. You know, how they are looking at coral reefs. Some, some scientists from the uh, University of Science Malaysia are helping them to do this. And they're saying, oh, we can... Um, we are helping plant mangroves in some part of the area. We are doing um, coral reefs, artificial coral reefs in another part of the area. We are doing fish aggregating devices and we have to study and we have to see. You know, all of this was study and more study and monitor and see and maybe and maybe not. A lot of it is speculation, right. total speculation. And they claim that this is an eco ecological offset program. I think it's again a is, is a is a wrong term. It's an ecology write-off program. And then you talk about doing these kinds of experiments, which are experimental, and you say that you can recreate what you have irreversibly destroyed. Now it's illogical. So it does not make sense. So when you have an area which is already there, you create something fake and then you call it, um, what do you call it, e eco ecological. So something which is natural replaced by a fake and you call it green, you call it smart, you call it whatever. It's hog. Really, it's all about greenwashing to the highest order. And why do we want to experiment something that is already working so well in that area? Mm -hmm. So this is really for us, at the end of the day, it's a corporate sea grab for a land bank. It's about a creation of land bank um, for the corporate actors. Of course, the state justifies it in many ways, and we say there are alternatives. But I think we really need to relook at this. The final point I'll say in this context is because we asked about reclamation. Yeah. You know, they claim that you know this, 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 all these studies that they are doing will be um, important for other future reclamations because it will show the kind of impact. So I, as if, as I said, this is a massive experiment. But there are already reclamation projects that have destroyed the fishermen and the fishing areas. The notable example, the Tanjong Tokong fishermen. They were affected by what was called the Sri Tanjong Pinang development. There was okay. a massive development and reclamation there. And the, and the fishermen took a hard time for them to recover and the fish resources is nowhere near what is what, what they were earning before. So you have examples of bad cases. And then now you have the big, huge Gurney Wharf reclamation um, in front of Gurney Drive. And they're claiming they're going to make it a park and this, that and the other. But So why don't you study all that? Why do you want to have a massive experiment here? And uh, all studies which are, which are not even completed you know, and then you go and say we are co we are proceeding. So at whose expense is this? Mm -hmm. It's not only the expense of the fisher folk, but it's the expense of people of Penang, because you have here a pristine ground which is being sacrificed for corporate interests. And Mina, I do know that yesterday there was a, a massive protest, right, at Pasan Elayan Sungai Batu. I mean, uh, what happened there? Any updates from that? I know you were I know you were there as well. Well, there were there was a huge number that turned up. You know, hundreds and hundreds. Some some are saying about four thousand okay. of them, and so you know, it was um, very loud. The thing is, what uh, you know, it was uh, dimmed by the what was happening in KL, the convention, 
the um, you know the unity government's convention right, which right, was right. taking place so all the the media in the sense i think were more focused on that but uh, there was a lot of coverage from penang anyway so you know large numbers of people very strong statements and speeches by the fishing community leaders very clearly saying that we want the, we don't even want a single island we want the project to be scrapped why aren't you hearing us hear us out they are appealing to the prime minister again and they are saying that they're going to continue to protest in comp at in comta which is where this penang state government um, resides and they are also going to the state assembly for more protest they're going to parliament for more protest so they're protesting and, pro and they will continue the protest so they are clearly against it the civil society who have looked at all this the pros and the cons and all that and we have evaluated we are not convinced we will are on their side we will continue to support them so we are also calling for the scrapping of the, the entire project which does not make any sense so we will continue to make this uh, strong appeals and you know this and, and and mobilizing that's all we can do and uh, we'll continue to do that so you know Ramina, i can hear people and i did hear some people saying this um okay la, so now it's already been uh it's been scaled down what more do you guys want you know i mean what so they were saying what else can be done you know what are some of the recommendations and what are your recommendations to the state government you know uh, i guess what i'm asking is what would a socially just solution actually look like as far as you guys yeah. are concerned, yeah. Yeah, we we are we are very clear. If you want a win-win-win situation, you know, this is what they, everybody says: win-win-win. Yeah. Now you have industrial land in Sabarang Prai. Make use of that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go and reclaim. Use that immediately. There's no need to wait for 20 years or 15 years or 10 years. Land is available. If you want to build um, more industrial estates there or attract investors, it'll be cheaper because you won't be as as costly as the reclaim land so from an investment standpoint it makes sense and more economic sense to invest in in sabarang prai um and there are connections i mean you have the bridge two bridge two bridges actually um, and the second bridge actually is not even utilized properly um so th there's no issue about connectivity and and um, and uh, what you call it alternative land alternative is land is there so that's win number 1 win number 2 now that the federal government is going to fund the uh, address the transport problems, maybe we we definitely need to relook at the LRT. We don't need such a massive LRT. We do need to scale uh, look review it, um, and you don't need the sixty acres of depot there. You, there are there is or there are options that civil society like Penang Forum has talked about, as I mentioned earlier, and so we are also keen for the transport minister to take stock of what civil society has been offering and talking about. So there are these real solutions to address the transport problem, not five years or 10 years or 20 years down the line, but immediately. So we need to do that. So that's win number two. If we are serious, we do it properly. Mm -hmm. And since federal government is stepping in, there's no need to worry about where the money is coming from. Of course, at the end of the day, we do need to pay for it uh, because it's going to be a loan probably. Um, but then, in any case, if it was for it's for a good public transport system, um, certainly Penang, uh, the Penang people would want to, um, you know, address that as soon as possible. So the third win will be you protect the the seas, you continue to um, allow the thriving of the fishing livelihood. You can even, you know, they talk of tourism products. Why is it 
that you need to do something like the Palm Jumeirah in Dubai, which is a total failure. Yeah. Why can't you talk, think about, you know, com- fishing kampongs, um, you know, be- being attractive, um, you know, going on a boat with fishermen, these kinds of alternatives, which are disappearing. A lot of people want to come and look at these, you know, these, these types of, of um, you know, low impact uh, kind mm. of activities where it's you know the 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 you have everything. It's community based. It's it's um, uh, you know localized. It's traditional culture. It's your heritage. Why isn't this promoted? Why do you need this big bang, you know, of high fly bright lights kind of thing when this would be really the real way to go and the real smart way to go, not the the wrong way to go. So I mean, it's like um, killing your golden goose. Huh? I mean, these are the kinds of, of sectors that we need to be promoting, that um, livelihoods with biodiversity. You know, people have been sighting dolphins there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of, uh, um, it goes viral. Huh? Everybody is looking at dolphins and all that. We have dolphins there. And then, of course, we know that there are some um, landing sites. The turtle landing is not as rich as that in Taluk Bahang, we admit. But you cannot say that there are no landing sites. There are landing sites of the the, the olive um, t- turtle and the green turtle and so on. So these are the kinds of things that we should be encouraging, protecting biodiversity. Malaysia is a is you know I've said this over and over again. We are we are a signatory to the Convention on Biological Diversity. So why destroy biological diverse sites which you have inherited? And which is God has given to us, and others don't have, you know. Singapore doesn't have it. Dubai doesn't have it. We have it, and yet we want to give it up. For us, it doesn't make any sense at all. And this is not at the expense of industrialization, and not at the expense of public transport. So when Penangites say, "What else do you all need?" We ask you. We want to ask, not just Penangites, but everybody else, even this future generation. They talk about, oh, we want to come home and we don't have jobs. I mean, this is really nonsense. Eh? There are jobs. And, um, you know, why can't we continue these kinds of, 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 of um, as I said, alternatives on the Sabarang Prai and, uh, and uh, whatever, and, and, and the transport was to be addressed and keeping our, our, our seas alive and thriving. And in fact, a lot of the fishing community is saying that the young people the young fishing community, they, you know, there's this notion that the young people don't want to catch fish. They don't want to be like their fathers. And this is wrong. I know of, I mean, I was told by the chairman of the um, fishermen, State Penang Fishermen's Association, he said he had a number, in fact, 30 young people who want to join the fishing industry. I mean, why do you, why do you not recognize those? They, not everyone wants to go and work as a lab, as a worker in a semiconductor industry. Mm. Many want to be also fishermen. So why do you write off this, this as a, uh, something which is the, you know, old, old school? This is not old school. This is where we need to look at the real economy, the real green, sustainable economy. And so when we raise issues about sustainable development, that this is not, a, not you know, in line with sustainable development, we are told, oh, you know, you're going to create how many numbers of jobs. I think it's a change of mindset that we need. That mindset of the big bang, blitzy, glitzy for 
for the high end has to change and we have to go really really down to to the ground listen to the voices hear what people are saying and don't be arrogant and don't underestimate and undervalue and ignore these voices and make it seem that all of us are hippies but i think it's really important to lower our consumption by the way because of climate change and everything we can't carry on on this glitzy lifestyle mm-hmm. and 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 um, farm jumira type of dream and fantasy island the straits times correctly called it this is fantasy island we don't need fantasy islands we have to live in the real world and the real world is taking stock of what we what all the problems that we need to address on the ground including listening to the fishermen and including addressing the public transport woes of the benign people so i think uh, we need to really not be blind anymore open our eyes clearly and not be fooled by fool's paradise Thanks, Mina. And, you know, I just wanted to, you know, on that note of you were saying that, you know, there are other pressing issues in Penang. I mean, also, you you know, Penang is known to be quite vulnerable to flooding, right? I mean, those are some of the, pro, uh, you know, some pressing issues perhaps that the Penang state government should be focusing on as well. Or are they? Totally. Yeah. Totally. I think, but first of all, most importantly, very few people realise that Penang Island does not have a local plan. Mm. We have been fighting and fighting. And, you know, we talked about the... Um, the case the sungai ara case if you remember uh, the federal court delivered a, a decision which actually was um, really landmark apart from the rimbakara uh, case um, you know yeah. the tamantun dr ismail residence saved the park we we fought to save the hills and hills development and to 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 not allow more hill land development and that federal court case clearly said that penang needed a local plan and why aren't we having a local plan and it has been um you know the 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 for very long long time not one local plan despite the fact that we have had a structure plan um since the 80s already and yet no local plan so it's ridiculous and so we have been uh, pushing for this very hard so just to answer your question because then it will be clearer where you know what you can do what you cannot do and of course even in the uh, local plan public participation is very key the taman rimbakara case and the sunrise case have clearly 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 shown that you cannot just treat public participation in token in token ways yeah. you have to really look at it very carefully so it has already told the penang state government um, very strongly that you need to really um, you know go back to the drawing board and and involve and really listen and if you disagree you have to give grounds of why you disagree and so planners cannot just run rough shot of uh, the views of the public and public participation i think so that's key so the so the key thing is that you know not many um state governments are paying attention to adaptation plans mm. the penang state government there is a um you know a, a not it was not proposed by the penang state government initially but it is now been supported by the state it was by ting city with un habitat with a 10 million dollar dollar adaptation fund money to do some adaptation in the city which will try to improve um and ensure that it doesn't you know it will address some amount of the flooding and so on but all states need to prioritize national ad- I and mean, state level adaptation plans climate resilience need to be built up you can't be 
you know, doing reclamation. And I forgot to, to, talk, to mention that for this reclamation of the 2,300 acres, you would need 102 million cubic meters of sand, which will have to be dredged and mined from along the coast of uh, Penang and, and somewhere in Perak. So more destruction underwater, more carbon emissions underwater. And then, you know, so we need to move away um, in from this kinds of, uh, of, of wrong direction. Yeah. And so, yes, Penang has a lot to do presently, and it is really obsessed with the wrong priority. Because at the end of the day, the question really is, is this a developer's plan, a, a corporate plan, or is it really a people's interest plan, a public interest plan? So I think this is really where the Penang State Government needs to take a strong look at. Mm-hmm. I think who's, so. Whose plan? Whose plan is this? Yeah, because I think someone was saying that, you know, there's too much at stake uh, for too little public gain, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it, and it is unfortunate that we seem like we are at loggerheads. I think we need to really um, re- re-look at how, um, you know, this whole vision is, the vision is not just a state vision. The vision is not a corporate vision. The vision has to be a people's vision, a public vision. So I think uh, the voice of the public is absolutely vital. And in this case of the Penang South Reclamation, the voice is very, very strong, particularly what not just stakeholders, but the rights holders. And these are the fisher folk. So scrap it. And some of us say scrap, 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 not scale done. Thank you so much, Mina, for joining me today. Any, uh, any other message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, well, I think uh, what's really critical is also for our listeners to not really uh, fall prey to propaganda sometimes. Mm. I mean, uh, if you look at some, you know, just, just, just one final message, um, you know, there are TikToks going around, or fisher, some two fish, one fisherwoman and one fisherman going around saying, oh, we like the project, we have been given big boats and, you know, we are welcoming this and all that. And then, uh, you know, they write, some of them WhatsApp me and say, looks like there is a split in the fishing community. Mm. And so we have to, if you don't know the facts on the ground, you get taken in. And the fishing, the fishermen yesterday at the protest really clearly showed. And what they had said that, that one of the, the woman who is constantly going around saying, I love this, she's not from that area who's affected. And she's not even a full-time fisherwoman. And so sometimes it's very easy. I mean, I don't blame her. It's very easy to to, you know, use people who are poor and um, give them whatever. And then at the end of the day, they speak in favor, which actually then you begin to show that there is a split. It's actually, really, this is, un, uh, you know, unethical, unethical to do because this is not the way to go. Even if you are given bigger boats, where will you go and fish if your fishing grounds are destroyed? Yeah. So let's not, let's not use propaganda and uh, manipulation and don't fall don't fall for these kinds of myths. So I would urge any listener who wants to know more, come visit us, come go to the site, go and see for yourself. And you can see what at the end of the day, you know, is going to be destroyed for a fantasy island.
Okay. Thank you so much, Mina, um, for joining me today. And, you know, just as you said, uh, it's very easy to see things happening on land, deforestation, for example, right? What's going to be happening under the sea? We can't see it. And it's massive, right? It's just, it's so huge. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So we do need to, yeah, realize all these things. But, Mina, you know, if um, folks would like to get in touch, of course, you know, the website, uh, the Sahabat Alam website is uh, foe-malaysia.org. You guys are on all the social media channels as well. And I do believe there is a petition uh, at change.org. I think you just need to search for Save Penang. Uh, reject the Tree Islands Reclamation Petition if you'd like to lend your support there. My thanks again to my guest. I was speaking to Binakshi Rahman, the president of Sahabat Ala Malaysia. We were talking about why the Penang South Islands project, whether it's scaled down or not, is still as problematic as ever. If you miss any part of our chat today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.